the event that I've got on my mind this evening, a couple Sunday nights ago, the Grammy Awards came on television. This is, uh, I guess it's an annual ceremony where they recognize the outstanding artist in the musical industry and honor uh, them. The particular song of interest this year is a song entitled Unholy. Unholy. Maybe you heard some ramifications of it. The lyrics to the song is full of vulgarity and very, very suggestive. And yet, this song was rewarded. The artist and performers of the song, one fellow named Sam Smith, he proclaims himself to be, y'all help me here, non-binary, non-binary. Best I can tell, that means gender neutral. Best I can tell, that means Sexually, he goes either way and both. And the other performer of the song by the name of Kim Petros, and that person um, proclaims to be a transgender. So the performance on television portrayed scenes of devilish surroundings. The entire stage was lit up with redness and and flames. And, of course, very vulgar movements by the performers. The performers themselves were dressed up in red. And the guy had on a top hat with devilish horns coming out. And um, the other person was in some kind of cage, and they were giving forth, as they said it, powerful, personal performance of self-expression, sexual self-expression. And um, the reason they needed to do this was because they feel like they have been oppressed uh, by society. So the event was a couple Sunday nights ago, and the song and the performers and the, the performance that they did. The sponsors of this, of course, was CBS, but also the main financial su- support of this came from Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. And so, While many of us in America take Sunday to worship the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, 
Pfizer Pharmaceuticals and CBS felt like the Lord's Day needed to be used to worship Satan and bring out lewd and base type of performances. Now, Pfizer, if you want to get familiar with them, they, they're the ones that bring us Advil and Robitussin and Nexium. and all the uh, Centrum vitamins, and the list goes on and on. And so, in just hearing about this, I thought it might be a good time to talk about the holiness of God. And invite your discussion along these lines. And so let's think about defining holiness and we'll read a few passages to go along with this definition. There really is a primary definition of holiness and then there's a secondary. The secondary definition is one we usually think of, that is of, of just being pure, Righteous, pure, in an ultimate way. That is part of God's holiness. But the primary definition of holiness is to be separate. Is to be different. Is to be uh, set apart. And in, and in thinking about God's holiness... It means thinking beyond what is, um, beyond the bounds of what is ordinary. It is to think about um, someone being higher than anyone or anything else in the creature world. God's holiness. When we think about holiness, let's think different. Let's think set apart. Let's think Let's think holy. Turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57. It'd be hard to find a better verse that sums up this aspect of holiness in Isaiah 57 and verse 15. Isaiah 57. Verse 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up. Thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. But notice the description of God of himself. The one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, 
who dwells in the high and holy uh, place. Now turn back with me to Psalm 113. Psalm 113. Psalm 113 just has some tremendous memory verses. If you just want to stop along, verse 2. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. What about verse 3? From the rising of the sun to, the, to its setting, the name of the Lord shall be praised. We'll start in verse 4 with me. Psalm 113. The Lord is high above all nations, and His glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? So notice there the emphasis on God being high, God being lifted up, God seated on high. He's way above the nations. He's way above us. Okay. You might remember Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. Where God says, my ways are not your ways. Remember that verse? My thoughts are not your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, then my thoughts and my ways are higher than yours. So this is the primary ideal of holiness, is to be separate and high. Let's flip over to the New Testament and notice a couple of, of these uh, type verses. Um, look all the way over to Revelation 15 with me, and then we'll back up to a couple of places. Revelation chapter 15. Verse 3 and 4, in praise to the Lamb, great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true, Revelation 15, verse 3, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and who will not glorify your name? For you alone are holy. I have that underlined in my Bible. You alone are holy. God is high and lifted up. There's no one who would ever come close to Him in all of His attributes. Okay. Turn back to, um, to John and then to Luke, and then we'll move on. John 6, Peter's response to Jesus, John 6, is a good one to notice. John 6 and all the way down to verse 69. John 6, 69. When Jesus had asked the twelve, do you also want to go away? John 6, 67. Peter answered in verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And then verse 69, Peter goes on to say, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One 
You are the Holy One of God. And from our song that we studied this past Sunday morning from Mary, Luke 1, Luke 1, notice what she says. Luke 1 and 49. Praising her Lord, she says, Luke 1 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. You might recall without turning over there, Revelation 4, 8 praises the Lamb and says, Holy, holy, holy. You remember Isaiah 6 and verse 3 looks toward the Lord up ahead, up above and praises him as being holy, holy, holy. So the first ideal is that God is high and lifted up, that he is separate, that he's set apart, that he's different, he's higher than any of his creation. He is far beyond the, beyond the ordinary things of life. He is, he is holy. We on earth, and we as ordinary people, we have picked up on this idea of holy. For one thing, from our use of the word holiday. When we say we've got a holiday, what do we mean by that? Well, notice that really means holy day. We use holiday. What do we mean by that? We mean we've got a day coming up that's different than our ordinary days. There's a day coming up that is going to be set apart from the other days. Okay. There's probably too many of those holidays nowadays, but nonetheless, we have an idea, and people in in society have an idea of what holiday means. It's set apart, it's different, and we can use that, and we ought to, in our normal conversations to be able to, to talk about the holiness of God. If we're looking for a way to transition from a normal conversation with someone into a, a spiritual conversation, you can use holiday you know, to transition into say, well, you know, that brings up the fact that God is set apart. We set apart days for, for special occasions, special emphasis. Well, God is set apart from all of us. And so this is the first primary definition. Now let's look at a couple of, of verses that are familiar to us that will help us explore the holiness of God. Let's think about Matthew 6 and verse 9 for a second as Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. And he says, this is what we call the model prayer. But he begins, our Father who art in heaven. And then what does he say? Okay. Hallowed be thy name. Now, When I was younger, I just thought that hallowed be your name was just part of how you are to address God. Okay. But that's just how dumb I was. Okay. Jesus said, address God like this. Address him as our Father in heaven. And then Jesus says, here's how you ought to petition God. So the first petition of the model prayer is to pray 
hallowed be the name of God. In other words, Jesus is teaching us to pray, Lord, may your name be regarded as holy among as many people as possible. That's the first petition of the prayer. And so I have to stop and ask myself, is this what I pray? Is this, is this how I begin my prayers? May God's name be regarded as sacred. First in my own heart, in my own mind, in my, in, on my own lips. But may it be found to be sacred among all my family members. May it be found to be sacred among all my fellow brothers and sisters. May it be regarded to be sacred among everyone. This ought to be one of the first petitions of our prayers to God. Turn over with me um, to 1 Peter 3 and notice how Peter begins verse 15. 1 Peter 3 and 15. He begins the uh, verse... But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy. Now, I memorized that verse when I was little. Sanctify in your hearts Christ as Lord. This is the English Standard Version. I think the ESV does a good job here with this. Okay. Notice it again. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy. That's a lot like... Jesus was saying back there in Matthew 6 and verse 9, Pray, hallowed be your name. Now suppose you were going to start a nation. Suppose you were going to set up some laws for that nation. A lot like what God did back in the Old Testament. And he gave the Ten Commandments. Certainly part of your set of laws would be do not kill and do not steal, but we also know that God in the Ten Commandments gave that commandment of do not take the name of the Lord, what? In vain. As he began to put together the nation that would bring Jesus into the world, one of his main laws was from the very outset, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In vain. wonder why that was, that was set up like that. What, what do you think, Christopher? What do you, what do you think? Why do you think God made that such a priority? Even before he said, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, he said, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Why do you think that? And establish God as who God is first. Because you had people that didn't really have a good, you know, divine understanding of the Bible. Okay. Everyone's on the same page now to understand that God is God. Want to establish who He is at the very outset? Any other, any other thoughts along those lines? Okay. 
So if you lose the respect of God, then you wouldn't have the respect for all the other laws that were about to follow, all the different regulations they were about to hear. Um, he had to set the respect for God to, at the very outset. Okay. We need to know who these laws was coming from and why. Okay, why these laws? And that's a good point because a lot of the laws would, have, would pertain to the holiness of God. He is set apart. Okay. And it would pertain to our own personal behavior, wouldn't it? Have you ever known someone that would take the name of the Lord in vain, freely, and just do it, who also does not have other problems? I mean, if you hear someone just freely use the Lord's name in vain then you wouldn't be surprised that some other sins are also associated with that same person. But if you hold God's name in high regard, then perhaps it helps us to behave and control, have more self-control. Way back when I was, I was little, back in the 60s, but later I was told that by some of my relatives that, that it used to be on the books in, in most states that if you took the name of the Lord in vain publicly, you could be, you can be fined. And there's an actual case of this, if you want to Google it sometime. You go back to May the 16th of 1969. I was a little boy. But in Maryland, there was a school carnival, and um, a man by the name of Irving West was arrested because uh, he, um, he got in a scuffle. And um, so the police took him in, under the, um, the order of, of dis, disorderly conduct. And um, the judge's name is Charles Thompson, I believe it was, Charles Thompson. So it was, no, it was not unusual for the judge to, uh, because of disorderly conduct, to give him 30 days in jail and $25 fine. That's what he got. But he also got this because when the police, police took him in, he had some choice words for the policeman. He said, take your blank hands off of me. Well, evidently the police reported what he said to the judge, and the judge said, because you said this, then you're going to get 30 more days and an extra $25 fine because it was on the books of the state of Maryland, and this was like Westminster, Maryland, I think, that if you took the name of the Lord your God in vain publicly, that 30 days and $25 fine was what you would get. Isn't that amazing for us to think about? Isn't it, a, isn't it sobering to think about how far we have come, whether you agree that that should be on the books or not, 
But isn't that amazing? Someone once told me that years ago that using even the word virgin on television was not allowed just because of the ideals it might suggest one way or another. And yet here we are, CBS, prime time, not only allowing blasphemy, but also rewarding it as well. In Leviticus 24, explain a little bit more, Mark. Yeah, I'll, I'll just read somebody. Okay, Leviticus 24. Go ahead. Okay, so that's an Old Testament example of what happened when you took the Lord's name in vain. Stoning from Leviticus 24. Another passage to consider, considering the, the holiness of God, is, is, this is familiar to us too, James 1 and 13. James 1 13. There... James instruction. This is about temptation and sin. James 1.13 Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for, and notice this carefully, for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. God is absolutely righteous. Highly pure. So much so that he cannot be tempted with evil. Habakkuk 1.13 says God cannot even look upon evil. He can't even look upon evil. So put those two together. James 1.13 and Habakkuk 1.13. Now, someone might question, well... Does God have the ability to choose? What do you think, Paul? Does God have the ability to choose? Does God have the ability to choose? Yes. Follow up on that. Then does God have the ability to choose to do evil? Yes is right on the first one, but what's the answer to that? Does say yes, he has the option to choose to do evil. 
First question is, does God have the ability to choose? Yes. Second question, does God have the ability to choose evil, to do evil? What are we going to say to that? Anyone? Hmm? No, no. Talking about God him, God himself. God himself actually doing evil. Okay, does he have the ability to choose? Of course he does. What the devil tried to tempt Jesus to do was to do evil. The devil tried to tempt Jesus to do evil. Yeah. Talking about God. Talking about God. Is God subject to moral law? God is moral law. So the answer to the first question is yes. The answer to the second question is no. God cannot choose to do evil. Because James says he cannot be tempted with evil. But I would say that the reason God cannot be tempted with evil, the reason that God cannot choose to do evil is because of another attribute of his, which is perfect knowledge. See? He has perfect knowledge. He knows perfectly how devastating sin is. He knows perfectly that his own nature will not allow him to choose to do evil. He is just morally perfect. What do y'all think about that? Isn't that hard to talk about, though? Because it's so, it's so beyond us. It's beyond ordinary creatures to think about this. But God calls us to think about this, to reflect on his holiness. And remember, 1 Peter 1, somewhere says, God says to us, be ye holy as what? As I am holy. Here we go. So we are called, the primary meaning of holiness is to be different, to be separate, to be set apart. We are called to be different. And then secondly, we are called to be moral, morally pure. We'll never be like God, but we're called to head in that direction, aren't we? Now, let me read to you what, going back to the Grammys, this this one is who says, Kim Petrus, who says she's transgender, she had a post-Grammy ceremony press conference. And she had something to say about her potential critics. I'll get y'all's response on this. She said, I grew up wondering about religion. Now this is, this is the person in a cage dressed in a devil's 
outfit. By the way, is it possible to worship Satan without dressing up and looking like him? Absolutely. Remember Jesus, John eight forty four, speaking to some Pharisees, and I know these Pharisees would have nothing to do with anything like a Grammy or Grammy celebration. These Pharisees were were followers of the law, and they they would stand against sexual sin altogether. But Jesus said to them, "You are of your father, the devil." Only two choices in life. It's either God, it's either Christ or Satan. If we're not with Christ, then we're with Satan. But anyway, here after the the show, she said, I grew up wondering about religion and wanting to be part of it, but then slowly realizing it doesn't want me. It doesn't want me to be part of it. And so tonight's show is a take on not being able to show, not, to, not being able to be part of religion and not being able to live the way that people might want you to live. And so that was her comments about what she did on stage. She said, I wanted to be part of religion, but it didn't want me to be part of it because you're not able to live the way you want to live. By the way, in that audience was um, a number of artists including what folks call gospel singers, Christian artists. I don't know. I, did, I don't know. I didn't, certainly didn't watch the show. I'm just hearing about it, but I just, I don't I wonder, did any of them get up and walk out? Because at the Grammys, they, they award all. Across the spectrum, they, 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 they give awards to all types of musical artists. What do you think about her comments there that she grew up? Or who is it that's saying this? He or she? But um, grew up wondering about religion, wanting to be part of it, but it didn't want me to be part. So therefore, it's, this is our way of saying... This is our way of showing that um, we've been oppressed. And so here's a devilish scene for you. Well, brother, you know, they say that she said that, and that's kind of like somebody saying, I want to be part of this baseball team over here, but I don't really want to play baseball. Hmm. I want to just, I want to be part of the team. And if I do play, There's a lot more to be, to be said about the holiness of God and how that impacts our lives and perhaps we can 
get further into this on some occasions. What else do you have to say about God's holiness as it's contrasted to what people may or may not be doing today? If we had time, we could read over in Exodus 19 where God was getting ready to deliver the law on that mountain through Moses. But do you remember all the regulations, all the commands about approaching that mountain? And to sanctify themselves to get do what? It was hallowed ground. Yeah, and if you got closer to that mountain than God wants you to be, then you would be struck dead. So perhaps one of the big lessons that we would learn from holiness, the holiness of God, is you can't just approach God in any way you want to. He is holy. Nadab and Abihu were struck down. God said after that, I will be sanctified among the people. Do, do people realize that today? That God, that God, you can't just approach God. You just can't say, I'm going to approach, approach God in any form and fashion I want to. I just, I, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do and then call that service to God and God is holy, and we have no right to step toward him without his approval. So, these are just some thoughts I had on my mind as, as I kept getting some reports and hearing and seeing things pop up about this ceremony that took place and thinking about why people do not come to God. Is it because God demands too much? Does the holiness of God keep people away from God? What about you? Does the holiness of God, does it attract you or does it scare you? A little both? What other thoughts do you have about some of these matters we have brought before us this evening? Does it... Does right. I want to bring God down to our level. And that's really what that person was saying there in that press conference was if, if that religion... Would, will approve of my, what I want to do, then I'll be part of that religion. Yeah, and you see it.
Brother James, did I cut you off a little bit ago when you were talking about moral law and and is God subject to moral law? More of a question. 